Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I just want to start off by apologizing. This episode was done very, very poorly. Uh, first off, Jonathan was sick, no fault of his own, but we thought it'd be really fun and cute if he would contribute to the podcast by doing voice to text. It worked on the live stream. The recording did not pick it up. So there might be some pauses, and that was Jonathan saying something you know, using Google type and we thought it'd be really fun to be like Stephen Hawking talking about sports and alas, you will not get that experience, but we have edited it down to it's a, I guess an enjoyable form. Um, this episode was not done very well. My microphone was also incorrectly selected. So the audio is not great, but the conversation was great and it was fun. We talked a lot about uh, what's been going on in college football. We talked about how and why Georgia was able to manhandle Tennessee. And we also talked a lot about soccer World Cup coming up next week. So we had to prep ourselves. This is Let That Eat Takes. saddle gentlemen how are you feeling it's fine thursday evening uh m- moment of silence as john has shuffled off this mortal coil uh but we have managed to upload his consciousness onto google so thanks elon uh r.i.p twitter but john is with us there he is so sick thank you thank you dr hawking from coming from uh Rediscovering your digital self, resurrecting yourself through the the ones and zeros and making your way to our sports podcast so you can give us your opinion on how things went down this week in the world of sports. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, I would like to move for any non-college football business to be dealt with immediately, because we all know where the money's at this week. Uh, go, go, Astros! You won a World Series. We th- hope is fair and square. If, uh, yeah, sounds about right. Uh, the as a as Tyler, our resident Astros fan in our Discord, uh, said Philadelphia became the rare recipient of two elimination loss games. Um, not only did the Phillies lose the World Series in the same day, but their uh, MLS team also lost, was eliminated from the playoffs. Is that correct? That's what I heard. All right. Sucks to suck, Philly. Yep. Yeah, let's go talk about that college football because that was a good weekend. Um, I would say right now, uh, it's Thursday night. I'm watching the Panthers gash the Falcons. Panthers are winning. Uh, by the time this comes out, the game will certainly be over. But I just would like to say, yes, it was an incredibly stupid ending, as always. 
Oh, for sure. We're only is this is this still first quarter? I'm sure the Falcons are yeah. going to climb their way back into this game, or, or back out of it. You or never back know. out of it. You never know. Or maybe both. It's like any time the Falcons get to 500, the universe says no. This team must lose a game. But then once they're one game under, you say so. It's on mute for me. Yeah, he's been doing the Thursday night games this year. It's been interesting. Let's see him talk about it because he's one of those people. Like, I don't think you exist outside of college football Saturdays. Like, when college football season over, I assume Kirk Herb Street just depixelates or gets shoved into a box because we'll see that man until September come next year. But uh, no, they've they found another use, another way to implement his being in sentience and consciousness. Now that's a good duo. I'll, I'll take your word for it. All right. Um, let's see. I don't know. Hawks have been playing some games. It's early in the season. They won some. They lost some. The record's positive. Uh, moving along. Um, um, I don't. The, I don't the Braves will not sign Dansby because he costs money. Um, the U.S. Men's World Cup roster is out. It's fine or whatever. Maybe a few, a few choices at the end of the roster. Uh, we'll talk about the World Cup when it's really, really World Cup time, and that will be fun. Uh, that is the new tagline for U.S. soccer, U.S. men's soccer. I need my inhaler. Same as it's always been. Yeah, and just go ahead and print that on the shirts. Yeah. So one of I know Jonathan was in a hissy fit because uh, one of our star players would had kind of been on the fritz with injury wise, and then uh, his was it man man you he plays for which guy. Uh, yeah, this his his coach is like no. Is it Pusilich? Pusilich, he plays for Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he could go out there. Who who cares if he can't can't suit up for the World Cup? He's going to be playing for the American Swan anyway. So I don't see why he can't go out and sacrifice his good joints and his good tendons. For king and country. Crumpets I like how tea. you started off with like... Woo! I like how you started off with one Australian parent and one New Zealand parent and slowly morphed into a British peasant and then British royalty all in like two sentences. Well, that's the thing. When I, I think when I want to go do British accents, I want to go like trashy, what they call the Neds, the non-educated delinquents over there. I want to sound like this guy's from the streets. I'm go- I might stab you. For a few quid, but you know Chelsea is, is is in the South Country, and that's where they they don't take sugar with their tea. And yeah, this this little they're they're a little more sophisticated. I'll the take journey. your word for it. Yeah, well, I'm excited for the World Cup. I don't the I never expect the United States to do anything. I don't really follow the team all that closely, so it seems like it's a different cast of characters. I remember the last World Cup 
played now. I remember Yedlin was like the hot new commodity. At last, well, last World Cup, the U.S. men weren't oh, in it. Right, right, um, right. And the one we was, made it to. Yeah, and that was not good. They still had enough good players to qualify. Um, I think last World Cup was sort of that cycle was very much between two generations of U.S. players. Like you had a group on the way out that was too old to be contributing a lot and the younger group on the way in that wasn't quite old enough to contribute yet. Mm. The guys in the middle should have still been good enough to make the World Cup and that's a a separate thing. Um, But that younger group is now by and large up and playing. So there's certainly a lot of you know exciting young players to get excited about if you want to but also you're not going to win the World Cup. Uh, I mean, Mr. Soccer. Hawking. Yeah, he's typing up a paragraph. I can't wait to hear this. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Gotta have that European passport. Or you ex you expire of course what what do you mean by European pa- What do you mean by European passport? Does it have to be like a European Union issued thing? No, it's just no, the, what, know, I, the, what I mean the European is, Sorry for the bad audio. What I mean is if you're, I think I typed this. I should just copy paste what I put in the other thing. Uh, if you're a European player or a South American player, you get like velvet glove treatment, all the opportunities, red carpet. If you're not from those nations, if you're Mexican, American, African, Japanese, China, like these non-traditional soccer powerhouse, or excuse me, these countries that are not viewed as soccer powerhouse traditionally. You could throw Australia in there, too. Um, you don't get any chances. Well, that is to say you get a chance. As soon as, oh, see, he's not a good. He's, you know, he's Australian. Oh, off, away with you. That's what they do. And, yeah. they, and I believe it's done. Uh, I don't know why it's done. Uh, there's probably plenty of reasons why it's done. The number one reason in my head that makes the most logical sense is probably just deniability, just job security. Because then when you run a team out there and you don't win, you can say, Oh, we didn't win. We signed the ninety million Brazilian, ninety million pound Brazilian striker, and he went out there and didn't score. But if you go sign the seventy million euro American striker, the media's be like, "Well, that's what you get for starting an American." But you get deniability if you start a Brazilian or a German or a Spaniard. That's the only reason in my head I can think of right now. Anyway, ah, good old. So that manifests itself. That manifests manifests itself in coverage, like pretend like if you relate everything to college football, which college football and European soccer share a lot of similarities, passion wise. If you're thinking about it, college it'd be like tuning into game day, and you hear like Reese Davis or somebody on game day say, like I don't know if you know Kirby Smart really knows what he's doing at Georgia. He's starting a quarterback from Oregon, and we all know that quarterbacks from Oregon 
aren't good. Like the state of Oregon, like literally the fact that he's from the Pacific Northwest means he's not good, which would be completely stupid, right? Like that has nothing to do with whether somebody's good or not, but that's basically the logic that they use. You think that's stupid, but I vaguely remember it's, it's, we won't, we won't get into the whole JT Daniels thing, but I remember people saying when he was playing back when he was, you know, picked to be the star, like, oh, we can't have a West Coast guy play for George Bulldogs. What about that kid from Blackshear? You know, the level of level of play then was not factoring a lot of people's opinion, but you know, there is a perce- there's definitely that perception that I guess that that's just to your point though. We do have these weird prejudices that inform some <laughs> of our opinion about sports teams. It can also be similar to sort of like recruiting rankings or you know where you get drafted, right? If you're ranked high or drafted high, people have this perception that there's a lot of talent and high upside, tend to get more chances. Even if you've already blown the first two or three chances and you've kind of really shown that like, hey, guess what? There's not really any upside here. That ship has sailed. They're still like, well, you can bring in this, you know, former number five overall pick on a flyer, low value contract. It's like, what if he's good? And average Joe fan is going to think, oh, that's a good risk reward. There's no reason not to do that. Even if in reality, you're actually just wasting a spot because he's already proved to suck. And you could instead use that spot on some young guy without as high a pedigree that still has a chance to develop. I know what NFL, former NFL quarterback came into my head as you were telling that, giving that, a, that example, Scott. Do tell. Brock Osweiler. <laughs> he like sat on the see, he got drafted by the Broncos, if I remembered. Was six foot eight, was not good in college, but people are like, Oh, he's tall and he's got a cannon of an arm. This will be good. Yes. And that is known as a Brazilian defensive back. See, <laughs> that Brazilian defensive back, boy, when he takes a free kick, that ball breaks the sound barrier. He's trying to score every single time from 57 yards out. Is he going to score? Almost never. But once every two years, he hits this amazing, ridiculous ball that somehow goes in. And everybody's like, holy crap, this guy can kick the ball so hard. That's, that's Osweiler or any of your other big, tall guys with throw ball far skills, but nothing else. Yeah. Also, future NFL quarterback, Will Levis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one of my one of my favorite uh, I guess one of my most enduring soccer memories I have is definitely Germany running around Brazil in the uh, semifinal World Cup back in like watching, 2000 watching the grandmas and little children cry in the stands so yeah great. that was if you, if, it's, if you watch sports for uh, just to watch people just sit in darkness and misery you should go and watch a replay of that but also just watch a bunch of short little German dudes who are definitely not as athletic as the Brazilians are playing against. Just absolutely curb stomp them. That was something to watch. Wonderful. Uh, John's consciousness. This, uh, this new iteration of his consciousness must have like 120 megabits of RAM. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was coughing a lot. I was just going to say that I'm not saying that, like, the U.S. has the same talent pool as some of these mega countries, but I also don't think 
that in 2022 the gap is as vast as it once was. I was trying to come up with like good like college football like uh, analogies for it, like if maybe a night then who would you know the USB versus if Brazil is Alabama today who would the USB? But I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't think of an analogy. I say young, that. maybe talented, but also probably not good. Honestly, the the US reminds me of what was that Boise State team that knocked off Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl with like the Statue of Liberty play? Oh yeah, yeah, you know, that you know was. That um, they had a Ian something at running back and Kellen Kellen Moore at quarterback. Am I am I right about this or am I messing this up? Am I mixing up my Boise State team? I don't know if it was Kellen Moore. It might have been that other guy whose name escapes me. Anyway, it was like Boise State. If they played through the SEC schedule back in that day, they probably lose like three or four games. But like they definitely were talented and like funky enough to knock off like a top team. So I I kind of view the U.S. that way. Like, sure, you play Brazil five times, you'll probably lose four times. But they have enough talent to win once, maybe twice. It's not like they're going to get pounded five to nothing all five games. But that's what you think. That's how bad you think you'd think we are compared. You know, when you hear some of these people talk. So I think if I put if I want to put it in like twenty twenty two college football terms, the U.S. is UCLA. You're like probably the 15th or so best team. You're like a legit pretty good team. But, and you're not like a total no name. Like people know who the U.S. men's team is. They know who UCLA is. You're not a team that just gets pounded and trounced every year, year in, year out. You're also not a blue blood. You're not like a real title contender. You're not playing in the biggest market for men's soccer or for college football people aren't really you know tuning in for your games you don't have any like whoa this guy's a hall of famer like you know the greatest player of all time but low-key you're a pretty good solid team you're not gonna win the title but you're gonna be pretty good there you go that's right and yeah the united californians of los angeles that's what ucla stands for right Yes. Yeah, boy. Well, where do you want to start? It's time. I know where I want to start, but you know, we I want to start. Wrong. I want to start where everything ended for Tennessee, and that was when <laughs> Eric Ainge tweeted. Oh and boy, that, point, that was... it was over. As soon as I saw that tweet, I knew what the environment was going to be like in Sanford Stadium, and I had to ask myself, did he get put up to do, did, like, the NIL collective UGA, like, send him some money, like, hey, would you tweet this? Like, haha, sure. Probably not anymore. We can get to that. If, if Hendon Hooker wants the Heisman at this point, he's going to have to pull on Ocean's Eleven. He's going to have to shove a, a little acrobat into a briefcase. And uh, the only way it's going to happen is if he's stealing that trophy with a little Asian fella. Tennessee <laughs> um, fans are straight up out of pocket uh, leading up to that game. Boy, were they confident. And after that game, 
Boy, are they still confident. Oh, well, they had to circle the drain, and then they circled it so many times they started spinning the other direction outside of the toilet again. And that's where we are now, where we're talking about conspiracy theories of did Josh Heupel intentionally throw this game so we have a backdoor into the playoff and didn't have to play in the SEC championship, which nobody cares about anymore, allegedly. Or, you know, just like, I'll, I'll, I don't know, some people thought, they thought they got hosed by the refs, and I went and we watched that game, and I thought, if anything, the refs might have uh, given them, a, done them a few favors in that game. It, the the refs weren't good because refs. Um, you, know, you know that they, they missed a v- an extremely stupidly overly obvious safety that was like one of the safetyest safeties that ever safetyed, and they didn't call it a safety uh, on the first touchdown of the game. Tennessee's best defensive back, possibly their best defensive player, who's been missing most of the season, just got back. Uh, had a what looked to be a pretty clear targeting on Stetson Bennett right there in front of the pilot and the whole world to see. I didn't bother calling that. You know, there was a couple times where, yeah, there was a lot of missed calls. There's some both ways. I'd be hard-pressed to say that the refs had an impact that hurt Tennessee. Yes. I'll tell you what, it was definitely safety. I'll tell you another one I think the refs missed is uh, I actually think the first fumble of the game, Stetson actually had that ball with his butt I, on the turf. Like, yes, for the tiniest, most split of seconds. Yeah. So I don't know if you rule, if you give that to, if you overturn it, that for Georgia. But it should have been reviewed. Did they review it? I don't even remember. They did not. I don't. Here's what's funny about that game is one, you know, the amount of shit talking that happened on Vault Twitter was just incredible, especially yes. right after the Alabama game. It made me wish that I had talked more trash last year because they had more. They seemed to have more certainty in this team that got to you know upset what what we all now know to be a disappointing Alabama team. Needed them to commit twenty penalties in the game to do that. It was only like 16 or 17, okay? Only 16 or 17 penalties. <laughs> and just a few turnovers. Yes. And when they when Tennessee fans were just wilding out on the internet leading up to this game, in my head, it was like, okay, this is a fan base that has been down compared to where they want to be for a while now. So I was like, okay, they do have a really good team. They're excited about having a really good team. This is just a fan base that has been looking for something to be passionate about. They're really passionate and confident. Like, I don't blame them too much. It's fine. Yeah. After the game, I'm like, oh, no. This is the fan base that thought that they were totally back and going to win the national title every year for the last 20 years. And then it's like, never mind. I thought that it was a reasonable stance before. I thought that it was like, okay, it's it's just fans being excited. And they're like, no, they're just kind of idiots. Yeah, that's the thing. I, uh, I actually didn't feel that great about Georgia's chances heading in this game, even though I found a lot of, like, stats. And, you know, going back and reviewing their past games, I saw a lot that, that made me think, maybe this team doesn't have as great a chance to beat Georgia as everyone's saying it does, because it kind of struggled against Pitt in a non-road yeah. environment. I, well, that was, it was a road, but it wasn't, like, crazy or anything. But, yeah, it, yeah after I... After Jalen Carter played in the Florida game, and I went back and rewatched some Tennessee at Pitt highlights, 
felt pretty good. Because yeah. Pitt was probably probably the best down lineman defensive line that they had played. Maybe it's Alabama. Or you can, well, probably even LSU. LSU's interior D line is pretty good. But, um, yeah, definitely none of those guys were Jalen Carter. No. Um, I, uh, I, t- actually, I actually sat next to a Tennessee fan at that game in Sanford Stadium. And he was and, one. And Justin, were you sitting in this Georgia season ticket holders section? I for sure was, and I'm still thinking would you, about. Would you care to let everyone know the section row and seat of whatever traders sold their ticket to a Tennessee fan? Oh yeah, I uh, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually thinking about riding to Buttsmere because there's like four uh, seat back seats that have been reserved all year. I've the people on them have maybe been there one time because there's a different cast of characters sitting in those every week that I've gone, and uh. Just to, just for full disclosure, I got these these tickets because my wife works at the university. I'm not like we were lucky to get you know our name called at the pool. Like I'm not. Don't let them lie to you. Justin comes from old money. Eat the rich. <laughs> I don't come from I don't come from the sons of Confederacy money like the honorable <laughs> quarterback Stetson Fleming Bennett of my, my great great grandpappy came by this fortune honestly. Yeah. But anyway, this Tennessee fan was one of those super fans who travels a lot. He went to the LSU game. He said before kickoff, like, I'm a little bit worried because we haven't really been road tested all year long. And I, said, and I knew about Pip. I said, what about the LSU game? He said, I was at that game. It was a sleepy noon kickoff. We got lucky early. This could be different. And he was right. And he's got his old quarterback, Aaron Ainge, thank for it. Yeah, if if only it hadn't rained in the second half, we could have got blown out in that half too. Because Tennessee was just, you know, getting off the thirty yard pass, just rolling them out like they were hot cakes leading up to that rainfall, right? Yeah. What I saw was they had a bunch of receivers slip and fall on what would have been obvious touchdowns, and that would have been the difference. What I definitely did not see was Edson Bennett shot putting a third down pass that wobbled through the air. Vlad McConkey on a wide receiver screen because he couldn't even hold the ball. You know, it, it the rain didn't affect us; it just affected them. That's why we threw four hole passes in the second half. Yeah, I mean, and, and Tennessee, yeah, they got roadkill tested. Oh yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it wasn't Georgia's fault, and it wasn't the weather's fault that when it started raining and we're through four wide receiver screens in the second half. Tennessee on third and six has their DBs playing with like a 12-yard cushion. We didn't make them do that. That's their own problem. Who's their defensive back coach? Um, it's not Georgia's fault that after they refused to call a safety and somehow let Tennessee keep the ball, it's not Georgia's fault that on first down, they were in the freaking same play-action double-move touchdown pass to McConkey they ran against Auburn last year. And the Freaking Tennessee DB bit on it like we're really going to hit him with a play action seven yard hitch on first down, and that's our big money shot. That's not our fault. The rain didn't do that. The rain didn't make Stetson be faster than Tennessee defensive backs. The rain didn't make Arian Smith be faster than their guys. 
the rain didn't make Jalen Carter steal their soul. It didn't make Malachi Starks any slower coming out of the backfield. He's hitting he, yeah. guys. Rain like had mofo. nothing to do with, with Starks and Chris Smith tackling like monsters in open field. And <laughs> one of the things that I had, you know, said about the game that I liked the matchup of us versus them compared to Bama versus them. Which turns out also we're just better than Bama. Um, and obviously the home part was good, but our best defensive player was an interior guy like Carter, whereas Bama's was an edge guy, and an interior guy causes more issues with this offense and hooker, and our safeties cover better and tackle better. Both of those showed up. Thanks, Willie Martinez. Every, every play where we're just sitting there with like both safeties deep the whole time, just playing man outside... And I was like, nope. Unless they can run for like eight yards a clip and keep it steady, that's not going to work. And the yeah, DBs we- were willing to give up, you know, semi-consistent eight-yard hitch route. Yeah. Go ahead. We dare you to beat us with never having a big play. You can never have a drop, never have an incompletion, never have a sack, never have a run for a loss of two. As long as you have, you know... 12 straight pay- plays with no negatives, then you can score. Yeah. Some people were trying to roast Keely Ringo after the game, you know, which is kind of funny, dude, because he got a pretty good interception because he was targeted eight times, gave up seven receptions, but it was all, I'm pretty sure they were all Cedric Tillman on like curl routes, comebacks. Yeah, it was all comebacks and screens. <sighs> like some of the completion percentage stuff. It looks worse than it is because, I mean, the screens are going to get completion percentage on that, right? That's not a coverage thing. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that was the game plan, right? We were willing to give up that stuff. Yeah. There's a reason why when they try to throw a deep on Ringo one time, it looked like he was running the deep route. Yeah, I was... Yeah, yeah, they, got, did, they uh, just got a touchdown on a screen pass. One of those plays that Tennessee likes to get at least 10 or 12 yards out of every yeah, time did, they do it. Did anybody on the Falcons uh, touch the receiver at all? No. Is he a receiver that's known for his uh, physical running and not his speed? Oh, wait, 27 for the Atlanta touched his jersey a little bit. Ooh. It's a little rub. Just a little hello. Just a little rub. Good job, 27. You're making contact in a physical sport. Here was, I've got one takeaway about uh, Tennessee's offense. And this was kind of, this was one of my, because they're really, they're obviously really good, but here's was kind of my, uh, my takeaway from the game. They don't have a lot of tricks in the bag. Like, they don't do a lot of things. Their, tr- their trick is going fast. Right. Their trick is not necessarily schematic. And we're ready for them going fast and did a good job with handling the tempo. Also, if you're getting stops, that negates the tempo too. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of simplicity because they're trying to go fast. Like there was another Tennessee fan, not the one that I was talking to. I actually enjoyed his company for the most part, but there was another one I heard him complain. Why are we running the same plays? Because you've been running the same plays all year. They just work. And today they didn't. And, like, the thing is, like, it's not going, like, if, if a defense figures it out, you're kind of screwed 
and the way that they line up on the way the wide receivers line up on the field, the way they're just so far to the sidelines, there's really not a lot of routes. That, there's not a lot of route variety. For exactly. Defense. So if the def, like if the defense figures it out, like the offensive coordinator really doesn't have anything left in his bag. The solution is we're going to keep playing fast and hope they hope we just outpace them. Yeah. And one thing I will say, there is probably some truth to the sentiment that if we play them again in a neutral setting, the game will probably go a bit differently. By that, I mean, probably not going to just be up three touchdowns at halftime and just sit on it and wait for the game to be over. Because probably if we play them again, presumably at some point, they have to actually hit one of their deep shots or they have to figure out something schematically to adjust and like squeak a few plays out or get a drive going. Now, granted a lot of Tennessee fans seem to think that they're going to beat us by three or four touchdowns if they play us again. And buddy, I don't see that. You thought that last time, how'd that work out? Like, why should we listen to you? Right. I mean, as dominating as it was, you know, there were a few plays you know, where Hendon Hooker missed guys deep. and That's every wanna... game, though. He that's misses a bunch of guys deep every game. And that's what was, you know, the Tennessee fans are like, oh, well, it's only because Hendon Hooker missed guys. And it's like, he missed guys in the game last year. He misses guys wide open every game. The difference is they normally hit some because they get to just keep slinging it deep. And we didn't give them many chances. Yeah, I mean, what if... If they, if they hit every single deep ball that they threw in that game, every one of those ones that he missed... Still lose that game. Yeah, they would have been at best tied because you're really talking about two plays. And we wouldn't, and we would have kept playing in the second half. Right. But what about what about that uh that pass Stetson Bennett made to Arian Smith where it went through his arms? What if he? What if Arian Smith made it that made that catch? What if what if they called the defensive hold or the pass interference that happened on that play? (laughs) So yeah. Um, we would not be the first people to notice and or draw some comparisons to how well Georgia is coached and how much the players buy in and how everything seems to be a well-oiled machine. Uh, Contrasted next to Bama, who on paper has the most talented roster in the history of college football, that somehow, oh my gosh, what a terrible interception, that somehow is not that. Not only are they not that, they're out here setting all-time school records for penalties over and over this season, playing down to opponents. And when the game really matters, they still got too many guys on the field. They can't even get it right out of a timeout. Sorry, I have a, I'm also got this Falcons game. Was that an interception to get a count? There's the flag on there. No, they all, that looks like it was probably offensive holding. So that's uh, not a free did play, you think Marcus. It was a free play. I, I don't know. That dumb bitch. Um, is oh Kyle Pitts going to request a trade? Mariota, the Heisman winner, folks. There he is. So I think one of the things to wrap up Tennessee real quick. One of the things we saw in that game was that uh, they just don't have the same amount of talent top top teams have and if you're playing a top team with talent and that talent is unorganized and getting penalties and not playing up to its potential and you're at home 
and the other team misses a field goal and you hit a field goal late and all that, then yes, you can win. It's not impossible. But if you want to go on the road against that top talented team and they come out and play like they're supposed to, you're in trouble. There's a reason that Georgia has one of the two or three most talented rosters in the nation. Tennessee has like the 20th most talented. They've absolutely done a good job of the most out of it with their scheme. But top to bottom whole roster, they don't have those dudes, especially on the line scrimmage. And with like a five-man box all game. Do you think uh, there's anything for other defensive coordinators to take from that game? Yes. To plan against Tennessee? Like, does Eli, do Shane Beamer and Eli Drinkowitz have anything that's going to help them? I know they I mean, don't have the players. Yeah, that's the thing. A big part of it is they don't have the players. And whatever you try, it might not work. But I think you, you might, and I guarantee you, but you might see more teams still try and do what Georgia did. Because they might, at minimum, just say, hey, you know what? What's the worst thing that happens? They run on us. So far this year, they've been running on people and throwing on people. So at least take away the deep ball and just see if you can make a play or two in the backfield and get them behind the sticks, right? You, you may see some other people trying to just tell their defensive linemen to get upfield and penetrate and be aggressive and make a play while they just try and be physical with the receivers and keep the safeties over the top at all times. That's it won't be as successful because you don't have the same plays. But right. that's how maybe instead of giving up 45, you know, you give up 37 or something. And if you're, you know, maybe you don't get run out of the stadium quite so fast if you're Missouri. Maybe they still yeah. do. I think, I think Josh Heupel is going to be calling timeouts late in that game to hang 60 on him just because I think he wants to beef up their resume because losing to Georgia wasn't the only thing that hurt their resume Saturday, I don't think. I think the, the aforementioned Alabama game maybe diluted the strength of what people, what some people were saying, oh, Tennessee has the best wins and best resume in college football. Doesn't look I, like it. I don't think that really affects them that much because they also beat LSU pretty handily at LSU. They did beat the pants off of them. So, like, in that sense, it's a bit of a zero-sum game. But that game was very interesting. Uh, can we all agree that the concerns about Brian Kelly fitting the culture were maybe a bit dumb and overblown. I mean, they were funny. Jokes were good. But, like, Nick Saban's a Yankee, and he's done fine at LSU at Alabama. Like, yeah. if your culture is... The cultural fit is being a good coach that wins games, then you can be okay without the right accent. You don't have to get up and make like... Oh, oh he's, he's super so lame. Justin so does lame. not respect the, Justin does not respect the finger wag. Scott respects the finger wag. <laughs> yeah, Scott always sees the finger wag, and Justin be like, like Stevie Wonder over here doesn't see nothing. <laughs> you got me like minimized something. Nah, I think I was. Respect the flag. 
Or I'm gonna be cutting you off. Of, well, not me, but the, whoever Google hired to do this is gonna be cut, cutting you off. Uh, so Prime Video is doing like a USA Mexico soccer rivalry, like I don't know, not a show, but a documentary or some sports deal. I don't know. I just got the end of the commercial. Right. Anyway, that was very informative. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I'm going to watch it and then mute the parts where Landon Donovan is interviewed because that guy. What did Landon Donovan do? God, tell him what Landon Donovan did. The captain of the U.S. national team for many, some would say, one of the greatest players to ever play for the U.S. Some would be wrong, by the way. So, start with the context, which is towards the end of Donovan's career in the Klinsman era, um, Donovan was not on the World Cup roster and wasn't really a part of the U.S. men's national team. Towards the end of his career, he probably could have and should have still been involved. Like him and Dempsey were similar ages. Dempsey was still on the team, still an important figure, even if he wasn't necessarily like starting and playing all of every game. You know? So that's sort of the baseline here. It, was he not on the team because Klinsman didn't like him? Was he not on the team because he couldn't handle taking like an off-the-bench, like super sub kind of role? Or whatever reason? I don't know. Anyway, once that happens, basically, Landon Donovan goes like, full Mexico and starts like doing advertisements for the Mexican national team. No, 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 no. I think you're confusing two things. Here's what happened is he did not officially retire from the U S national team, but he was aging and wasn't really a part of Klinsman's 2014 world cup team. He played a little bit late in qualifying. And then people were like, Oh, is Klinsman going to take him?" was never going to take him. He didn't take him. Fast forward four years, Klinsman's gone. And the U.S. does not qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Not because of Klinsman. They were just, they didn't qualify. I don't even know who had the job. <laughs> I have <prepared. laughs> So, Mexico is going to the 2018 World Cup, though. And that's when he, Wells Fargo pays him a bunch of money to do Mexican soccer federation ads that say Mexico is my other team and it's all in Spanish right or somewhere in English I think Marty. and it says Mexico is my other team it'd be like I mean you the comparisons are endless it'd be like I don't Herschel know Walker's Walker. like Florida's my other team yeah. yeah Florida's playing the national championship I'm getting paid a lot of money to say Florida's you know SEC right so let's here I'm gonna wear a Florida uniform and lift a Florida flag and say Florida is my other team True, Diamond. Yeah, yeah, so yeah at, at that point, he was pretty calling him to, out uh, publicly on social media. People were like, "Are you serious with this?" <laughs> if All this right. was around then, I would have posted a GIF of that stormtrooper from the Force Awakens going "Traitor" and spinning that giant electric baton. Is that, that about the GIF. right time? Yeah. Would have um, been my GIF response. So, I have a take that unites us. Oh, let's hear it, baby. 
troubling times when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow. We need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. Which comes from Josh Pate, which is... We'll call it a take. It's close enough. It's controversial enough. It's a take, even though it's just facts. Uh, UGA has allowed 17 touchdowns in their last 21 regular season games. The next best team has allowed 36 during that span. And uh, if you're wondering, of those 17 touchdowns, only nine of those were not in garbage time. The last 21 regular season games, nine meaningful touchdowns. 17 touchdowns, last 21 regular season games. Next best team, 36 touchdowns in the last 21. I hope that next team is Iowa. It probably is. So, But basically, what that means is 21 games, nine meaningful touchdowns. So you have less than 50% of scoring a real touchdown. So good luck, Mississippi State. Good luck, Kentucky. And Georgia Tech, just, yeah, whatever. I mean, one thing Mississippi State will have going for it is they employed the strategy that the last two teams to beat Georgia employed, which is we're not even going to try to run the ball. But they don't have the same dogs. Yeah, uh, obviously the difference is (laughs) players. Um, The difference, and say like LSU did it, they did a really good job of it. They were a good running team. Mm-hmm. And they had a good offensive line. And so they would be out there with personnel and formations that would say you still have to respect the run. Then they would just motion Edwards Alaire out into the slot and throw the ball every single time. That's the way to do it because we had to you know, respect the run and then they just chose to never do it. And the second that we take Jordan Davis off the field and they just start pounding it on you. It's worth noting, Tennessee, not that team. No. Uh, and that's why if Georgia does see Tennessee again, I, I'm not, I'm probably going to be tempted to take Georgia to cover the spread because they'll undoubtedly be favored again. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to fanboy really hard for Kirby Smart these days. I never like dislike Kirby Smart. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, went from half chub to full chub myself. Yeah, I mean, listening to the the locker room speech after they beat Tennessee, where he t- it reminded it was whenever he talks, I'm pretty sure he's also thinking about what outsiders are going to hear because he made a point yeah. to mention we were down two offensive linemen and we took the ball out of Stetson's hands in the second half. And you guys still beat the crap out of them. Yep. And, and part of it, too, is like the, you know, coaches are always worried about, concerned with like the messaging to their team and stuff like that, you know? Like they want to remind them that, hey, this was a big game. This team was so great. We had guys hurt. Not a problem. Because what he wants them to remember, he wants to remember that when they're in the playoffs and in the first quarter, some important player goes down. 
when uh, hopefully this doesn't happen, but you're in the playoffs and somebody just has a, you know, less than legal block into the back of Jalen Carter's knee again, he's out that game. And he wants to be able to say like, hey, we had guys down on the line of scrimmage against Tennessee. People stepped up, did their job. No problem. Let's go do that. Yeah, you got to say it so they don't jump into the transfer portal and then waste their talents and abilities at Alabama. Gasp. <laughs> Oopsies. All right, I got to go because I yep. think my lung has a hole in it. That's what asthma is, right? That's when your lung has a hole in it. Yeah. RIP your lungs. No lung. Thanks for dropping in. No, I'm sorry I couldn't talk more. Um, they put me on steroids, so I was just very like, Argh. so that's why I was very. Argh. Anytime I unmuted, I was like, screw everybody. <laughs> <laughs>